This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode one of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by the Monty Roberts Equus Online University, and we're part of the Horse Radio Network. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. I have the founder of the Horse Radio Network with us today, Glenn the Geek. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Good, and I'm so excited that you're here, and, and we get to welcome Horsemanship Radio to the lineup of shows here at the Horse Radio Network. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for being a big part of creating this pilot program. We're really excited about the opportunity. Well, you know, we've had you on our shows at the at the Horse Radio Network a number of times over the years, since probably almost when we first started, almost five years ago now. And I was 12. I think I yeah. was 12. <laughs> yeah. And I was 10. Um, yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you asked for that. Um, yes. <laughs> So, but we've had you on so you know a number of times, and and you've always been so good at explaining, explaining the mission and explaining everything about you know what Monty Roberts stands for and, and the university and everything. That I just knew that this would be a natural fit, and it's something that that we should try and accomplish together. And I'm so glad you're the one doing it. Well, thank you, thank you for actually thinking of us and uh, knowing how far back we go. That you've watched us grow, we've watched you grow, and um, it's it's been one of those progresses, a little bit like natural horsemanship. We've watched the demographic of those of us that just love horses, love the relationship with their horses, and um, are concerned about the direction that horses are taking. We've watched it grow with the Horse Radio Network, and we're just so proud of what you've done there. Um, You and Jennifer both have worked very hard, and uh, you've been supported by some great people as well, not only talent, but also sponsors that have recognized that same ambition to to do what you're doing to change the way that we uh, work with our horses these days across disciplines. I love that. Well, you know, one of the th- things that we did when we started the Horse Radio Network and that we wanted to accomplish was, and, and your dad, Monty Roberts, is certainly, uh, is certainly one of the best at this, and that is we said we want to do entertaining shows that we want it to be entertainment first and education second. Because we know that unless you're entertained, it gets boring and nobody sticks with it. Yeah. So, and your dad is very entertaining. I mean, he's 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 wonderful to watch because he is entertaining. He understands that he has to reach the people in more than one way. Um, and you know, he, he, for him, it's a natural thing, and for me, it's kind of natural too. I don't have to think about that much. Uh, but that's the one of the things that we wanted to accomplish with the Horse Radio Network. And, you know, and I'm sure that you're going to continue here with Horsemanship Radio as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that is the goal. Uh, the, the listeners have told us that they're not excited about plopping down and, and watching TV for hours and hours. And our Equus Online University uh, is built with that in mind. And I think Horsemanship Radio is going to, to help as well because people can plug it in to their um, MP3s, and they can take it to the barn on their on their smartphones, and you don't have to stop and watch. I love that about 
the horse radio network. And I love that about what we're going to do with horsemanship radio. Um, you know, you can be mucking out a stall, right. And hear what we've got to say, or you could be out there working with a horse and have just taken that tip with you and try it out. We have a lot. I'll tell you a little bit of demographics. Horse radio network now has over a hundred thousand listeners in 40 countries. And we, we estimate that about 40% of the people that we have listening listen to us while they're cleaning stalls. Oh. Because when you think about it, that's the biggest downtime you have as a horse person. If you have, te- you know, five, three, five, ten stalls to clean in a day, you've got a chunk of time that, that's really downtime. And a lot, mm. of pe- a lot of people like cleaning stalls. They take it as their downtime and they don't want any outside influence. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, listen to the radio or they take what they do is they bring their iPods or their iPhones or whatever device they have and they listen to us. They listen to one of our shows. And then the, a bunch of people listen on their way to work. If they have a commute to work, mm-hmm. we have people that we have people that complain that we're not doing enough shows because they they have more drive time than we have shows. So for those people, welcome to Horsemanship Radio. We're adding to the collection. Right. That's right. (laughs) We're we're going to get some more tips out there for them. Well, that's great. I mean, we call that equine therapy, that that cleaning stall stuff. And don't tell us otherwise (laughs) because we don't want to think about it too much. But but yeah, that's right. um, that's, That's the time that we're trying to optimize with people. We know that one of the downsides of horses as opposed to dogs and cats, which everybody's real familiar with the pet world, is that um, they do take a, a relationship. They do take more time, or they can. Um, and you have a better relationship if you do spend more time out there. But how do you optimize that time? How do you um, make sure that your, your training methods, your tips are effective, uh, but also that relationship is built when you're spending time in the equine brain, uh, you know, and, and some of the tips that we have. That's why we're excited to have uh, different guests, lots and lots of guests we've got that are excited to be a part of this network as well. And, and some have been a part of other uh, shows that you have on and some have never been a part. And so we're really excited to bring that to the Horse Radio Network as well. And I assume your dad will be stopping by from time to time to say hi. As he has to, he has to be involved at some point. He's not going to let you do this without him stopping by, you know. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. He is my, he's my edutainment, we call him, because <laughs> he always teaches us something. But he's also, you know, he's a great storyteller. And he, I think he's one of the greatest storytellers, frankly. And uh, always has uh, something to pull from, uh, an example or a story or, you know, he's just, he's lived three lives that way. And uh and so that'll be a big part of our segments. I just have to, he doesn't let grass grow under his feet, you know, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's in France right now and, uh, uh, he, he will be in Brazil next month. And so there's so on and so on. He was on BBC one last night with, uh, uh, the, by the time people hear this, they will have maybe heard about it, but it's, uh, program, um, BBC One is the largest network over there, one of the largest ones, and they had a program about the queen and her passion for horses. So it was real specific, and it was a great show, and uh, of course, Dad was doing join-up through it, and he was working with some young thoroughbreds, uh, first saddle, bridle, and rider, and um, to me, whether you're 
you care about the queen or you care about thoroughbreds not, then uh, you still learn things about the nature of the horse. And I think that's probably the most important thing that he brings to the world of horses is understanding and being fair to their nature. They're not dogs and cats, you know. They're, um, they're not carnivores and they don't chase after their food and they don't earn it. Um, they don't care to. They, they think it f- comes freely from God. And so their expectation is uh, trust. Um, their expectation is to be fair with them and to understand their flight mechanism, that they're really big scaredy cats in big bodies. And um, understanding that goes a long way in building the relationship and creating willing partners in them. I think you should do a segment in each uh, episode called Stalking Monty. Stalking uh, Monty. Yeah, yes. where in the world is Monty? Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Little... <laughs> and, and we'll do. We'll put some music behind it. We could get that uh, music for the for you know where in the world is, and yeah. uh, we'll get that music. And you could do a little segment in each show where we're keeping track of where he is and what he's up to. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, like a Where's Waldo? We'll put him in yeah. a red and white striped shirt. And, yes, you know, <laughs> and have a little uh, hand drawn map on the wall, and yeah. uh, you know, put little Monty stickers. <laughs> That's right. Little wings on him. Yeah, he he does he does travel a lot. In fact, he he belongs to this one K um, status on airlines, and it's it's so funny because he said that he leg- legally could not be a pilot because pilots can't fly as much as he does. <laughs> so he'll never he'll never be a pilot. But um, he does like it though. I mean, he got a call over the weekend and said, "Can you be in Paris by next week?" He goes, "Well, I got an open house on Tuesday. I'll be there Wednesday." <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so he literally uh, comes to the call, and uh, mom would say that's because she has to take care of the ranch, you know. <laughs> well, She's back holding on the fort. <laughs> while you're bringing that up, let's get to learn a little bit about you, too. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to be the host here of Horsemanship Radio, which, by the way, is going to be on twice a month to start. Is that correct? That's right. That's so, right. So you'll have two episodes a month, and it'll be on the Horse Radio Network. We have a, a website called horsemanshipradio.com, so that makes it easy to find. And you can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com, and it'll be over there as well. Um, and we'll go into more details at the end of the show about all the different ways you can listen, so we'll try and help people out that way. But let's learn a little bit more about you. Obviously, you're one of about, what, 120 kids Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> tell us about you and, and your life, uh, growing up with horses and as, with Monty as, as your dad. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, you only had one dad. So, you know, your perspective is always that that's the way dads are. But I, I actually learned by the time I was 40 something that it was a little different <laughs> growing up around our house. It's a little. <laughs> and, <laughs> and first of all, I, I guess their first foster child was before my, my memory. Uh, it was when I was just born and, um, and dad forgot to mention it to mom, but he brought her home <laughs> and, uh, and so the, we had 47 foster kids um, go through the house before mom and dad said, uncle, uncle. <laughs> and they, they literally had um, almost all teenagers. You know, it wasn't these cute little adorable four-year-olds or something. They fostered kids that um, were in trouble uh, for the most part. Some wanted to be jockeys and um, some had interests in horses, but a lot of them were uh, from either broken homes or parents who said, Hey, could you use some free labor at the farm? <laughs> and they sent them out to pastor. And, and the kids were, you know, it was the 60s and, and, and 70s. And uh, I hate to bring up memories of drug era, but it was a tough time to be a kid growing up. Oh, and ca- were you in California? And a lot of the these time? teenagers. We were in California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They burned the bank in Isla Vista. 
Vista, and you know, it was that that dangerous time really for for youth. And um, I mean, good good things came out of it, but you just sure didn't know at the time what was going to come out of all that. And so. Um, Growing up around horses was healthy. I mean, it really was. It was good for these kids. It was good for us. And uh, you didn't know any different. Everybody worked really hard. Um, we learned because a lot of the kids were going to be uh, horsemen, the the emphasis was on nutrition. Uh, you know, we knew what a starch was. We knew what the food pyramid was growing up and everything, too. Uh, we had several jockeys come out of the group of foster kids. So they were always working on their weight and staying small and staying athletic. And we showed steers, we showed horses. We, uh, I, I didn't like goats much, but other than that, I think every animal. I'm with you. I'm with you there. <laughs> I was when I was in the fourth grade. A mare died and and left a foal, and and Dad said basically, you want to raise this foal, you don't want to raise it on a bottle because that is not good for horses. Generally speaking, it turns them into a foster child you don't want. <laughs> and uh, so I raised it on one goat first, little filly, and then and dad built a stand for her and she went up in the little stand. I was going to say, how'd that work? <laughs> yeah, and then she got bigger, the stand. And, and then there were two goats and uh, all that before school every morning was tough. But, um, you know, that's that's what you do you know, you, when you're going you know, to make something work. But I learned a lot that's, that summer. What are you when you're, when you're in fourth grade? Is that uh, eight or ten or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's young, and but it but it was good work. And and every every um, we you know we didn't I didn't have the concept of weekends until I went to college. I didn't know I didn't realize that people like prime for the weekend. I didn't know what that meant. That meant more work. Yeah, that meant you had to work all day. It was like <laughs> yeah. right. School was a break, right? But I, I'm not whining. It was a great way to grow up. It, it, it really was. It's beautiful country in California. People get out to. Uh, the mid central coast is uh, Santa Barbara County, and Solving is is right in the middle of so that. And you're the, you're north of L.A. and south of San Francisco. That's between right. Between the two, yep. That's right. It's beautiful country. Come visit us. The farm is open seven days a week uh, for visitors. So there's these big gates, but we always say that's the insurance people. They want the horses to be kept in, not the people out. So please, you know, push the the button and come on in the gate. It's it's. It's a beautiful legacy that's there and a beautiful um, state-of-the-art thoroughbred training facility there, too. It's beautiful. Now, did you grow uh, up uh, competing? Were you competing? Mm-hmm. What yeah, were you competing we did everything. Gymkhana, Western. If I wanted to win that high point trophy, I threw an English saddle up there and <laughs> anything I could do to get that that uh, prize. But it was up and down the California coast. It was not – we didn't show nationally. Dad did all that, and it didn't really encourage – you know, doing the pro route. He, if anybody knows his story, he wrote The Man Who Listens to Horses in 1996, and it became a New York Times bestseller, which was as much a surprise to him as anybody on earth, uh, including the queen who invited him to, you know, encouraged him to write the book. And uh, I think it struck a chord with people about what you can do with um, maybe not uh, the, the fairest deck being raised as a kid, uh, he did grow up with a father who um, was violent, and that's why you know he rejected violence at an early age. But that book did open up a, a revolution in horse training to say that you know really a flight animal should not be treated unfairly because that is their mechanism. It's flight. That's a child. That's a horse. That's a lot of us are flight animals. And uh, to be fair to a flight animal is to give them trust and is to give them 
relaxation and, and reward, uh, but but certainly not punishment. And uh, without discipline, you don't have any um, you don't have any excellence or championships. But he did not encourage us to to go as far with the professionalism as father. His father was a funny guy. He, um, my grandfather, uh, when dad was only about four or five, he started doing uh, stunt riding in the movies. You know, this was a real era for movies. And he said, you know, that grandpa would always take the money that he got paid in cash and he put it in a cigar box. And he said, don't worry, son, I'll keep your money for you. And he did. He kept all the money. <laughs> dad never saw any of the money. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, he, he thought that that whole professional bent to it was, was unfair to a childhood. He never had a childhood, uh, really, like you and I would call it. So um, it was good for, for the future of horses, and he would say it was the best thing that could happen to him in, that, in setting up his life, his life's goals. Um, he wouldn't have it any other way, but it wasn't a great way to grow up. So for for us, he was always out to give a kid, you know, a second break. That's why we had uh, so many foster kids go through the home. And my mom is the most tolerant person on earth, so she <laughs> is very kind. And, and one dad of the nicest gives, ladies I've ever met, I'll add. Thank you. That's very yeah. nice. Dad says that all the foster kids always remember her birthday and not his. So obviously <laughs> she she was doing she was doing all the nurturing that way too. So. Um, so it was, was it that was a, something that just happened with him? Do you think that was a product of the way he grew up to really wanting to uh, give kids a chance that uh, he never had? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It started with uh, when he was going to school, he went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is a great ag school and a great championship rodeo team they had and everything. And um, the first thing he did was volunteer at a thing called Silver City, which was the Korean War was wrapping up and the veterans were coming back. I was going to say, this would have been in the 50s, not to totally date him here, but it would have been in the 50s, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And and so a lot of them were being off, um, you know, let out of the, uh, the war and dropped in that part of the country. And uh, Silver City was set up for those that were um, married, but coming back to get an education there at Cal Poly. And they call it Silver City because it was all these Airstream kind of little tiny camper things, and they just rose and rose and rose and rose of them. So you look over it, and it's just a shiny silver uh, little area of the campus there. And um, it was it was war at night. I mean, these poor guys were coming back from the war, and the domestic problems were just horrendous so they had volunteers from the school and dad um because he was taking some site courses said okay i'll volunteer for it and then it was just horrendous and you know there wasn't any uh, any decompression when you came back from the war then you know and and uh, they're trying to do a better job today but vietnam was very much the same way anyway that would gave him his first you know education in psychology and the whole what does violence do to your mind what does it do for a domestic setting and and i think he was trying to give kids a fair shake when he took his first foster home was um this girl was about 12 and her mother was a drug addict and had some problems and actually died shortly thereafter of a drug overdose and so this little girl just was horse crazy and uh, babysat me and so that was his first one he said she ruined him because she was just so perfect that you know he was always looking for the perfect foster child after that (laughs) he had to go through 46 more and didn't didn't find one better than that but anyway she she was a a, an adorable girl and went on to uh, stay in the horse business and become a very nice mom and um so it's a good story there's lots of good stories there's a few 
um, who didn't make it, um, a few uh, who did die of, of their drugs and other problems. But um, but for the most part, there's a lot of great stories that come out of now, out of all that. Now, like like most of us that have had big boarding stables and have had farms where we have you know a thousand teenagers going through, and you know mm-hmm. you get to know some really well because they're with you for ten years. Uh, and they're at the barn every day after school. You know how how that is. Um, are you? Are they? In, are do a lot of the foster children still stay in touch, or um, mm-hmm. have they drifted away? No, they've gone on to their own lives, which is wonderful. But they do stay in touch, yeah. uh, and, and some of them live not only out of country, but you know, uh, like one is in Dubai. The, uh, there's one guy by the name of Satish Simar. I was going to say boy. He's not a boy anymore. <laughs> Satish Simar is the, the, one of the head trainers for the Sheikh of Dubai. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And dad introduced him uh, when he went back. He got him a job at Keeneland uh, in Kentucky. And then uh, he's a good kid. And he went to Cal Poly too. A real, uh, he was one of those kids that came from a privileged family in Indy, India and spoke Farsi and everything. But, but definitely wanted to do everything himself. He didn't want to be pampered. He didn't want, you know, there the horses were saddled for them. They were taken care of for them and everything. And he was of that. But he didn't want to be that way. He wanted to know it from the ground up. He's a hard worker. And that stood him in good stead. So he, he is one of those stories that um, of somebody who stayed in the horse industry and excelled in the horse industry. But there are quite a few like that. And we learned a lot from them, too, about taking them into other parts of the world um, to, I guess, dad sort of mentored them um, and all of us are learning how to relate what we're learning in this country about how to treat horses and how uh, to excel uh, in different disciplines, whether it be in the thoroughbred racing industry, whether it be in the Western show ring. It doesn't really matter. It, but you have to go over there and use that culture to submerge into, too. And that's that's a real education as well because it, I'm not just talking about third world countries. I'm talking about a mindset that – you remember the thing that's interesting about horsemanship radio and, and horsemanship in general right now is what we want to do is expose the fact that um, think about where natural horsemanship was born out of. If you want to use a term like natural horsemanship, it was actually born out of the wild, wild west, which is kind of an interesting cosmic moment, isn't yeah, it? A juxtaposition. That, yeah. It is yeah. a juxtaposition, exactly, Glenn. And uh, I, I think there's a reason that all that that came about. That um, that there were several guys in California at an era at the right time with the right ingredients that said, "Okay, enough of that." The, you know, this this we've gone as far as that pendulum arm is going to swing. We really need to come back the other way. So remember that even though in Scandinavia they always felt that they treated horses very well. They come up from a position of understanding that violence is not right, but do they really? Did they really explore how to break through that and have, uh, you know, performance that goes beyond just training a horse to do something? About having them become a willing partner in what you're doing. I'm going to use that word a lot in horsemanship radio because it, it paints a picture of, of a horse saying, Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Let's do that some more. Cause they, a breed specific 
um, exercise is so fun for them. You know, it's a, a horse to run naturally, bred to run naturally is a beautiful thing to watch. They enjoy it. And, and the same thing with a lot of disciplines. So I want people to, to understand that there's a lot to do still. There's a lot of progress we can, we can make for sure. And we can do that and change a lot of the world as well, because they've kind of stayed in a, in a real middle road as far as uh, horse relationships and horse treatment goes in, in disciplines. And there are still places that are the wild, wild west in training too. There are some places that really are looking for these concepts. Brazil would be one for sure. There's breakthrough things happening in Brazil right now that we're really excited about. That they, um, the world is beating a door to Brazil right now between the Olympics and, and all the uh, – the outstanding athletic things that are going to happen in Brazil in the next couple of years, they don't want to appear to the world to be a third world country and they aren't. But one of the areas that they are a little uh, wild, wild westy still is in horse training. And so they're excited to change. Uh, they actually are inviting change. And that is, that's, that's going to go so fast it's going to go so fast there that we'll be excited to share that with with everybody about um, how even though their daddy did it, you know, a lot of times here we'll say, you can tell me how to change, but don't tell me my granddaddy did it wrong. You know, and there they're saying, I think my granddaddy did it wrong. And I'm actually looking for a, <laughs> a different way because you go through a lot of horses if you don't. Well, and I'm excited, too, because of the nature of what we do. We're able to talk to guests from all over the world. So this is really, truly going to be an international show because horsemanship just is not limited to one country. Um, and, we, you know, we, we currently have listeners in 40 countries. And I think uh, thanks to your show, we can, we can double that number. That's um, exciting. And I'm looking forward to that, too. Debbie, I know you get out and ride every once in a while. I see in your Facebook page that you still take some pack trips and get out and enjoy nature. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, it's in the blood, isn't it? I mean, uh, not only in the DNA, but I think once you're you're raised around horses, uh, you get back to it. You definitely do. And I I have my circle of friends that uh, we just love. I mean, they, either we're on a pack trip or we're going out to the desert or we're, you know, we love going somewhere and we love getting on horses. But I ride every week and um, I ride as many um, different kinds of horses as I can. I love riding new breeds and, and learning about new um, Marari horses and, and Shaguas and horses that some people have never even heard of before. It's just, it's almost like a bucket list, you know? Oh, there, there's one I've never ridden before. It's, it's a lot of fun. And um, uh, one of my favorites, the big champagne colored draft horse named Thor, you know, there's, I mean, what little girl doesn't always dream of doing all these things. And then imagine you get to do it too. Uh, so yeah, that's that's us. We go on, um, every summer, and we'll do this again in July. We go up to Sun Valley, Idaho, or parts unknown, ten thousand feet up, and no toities, and just live in a tent and uh, get grungy and um, and ride our horses all day. It's, it's a lot of fun. Poor horses. <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun. And talk about decompressing and getting away from the world. Yeah, pretty much unplugged. That's right, Glenn. You would probably be shaking. You would I would. Uh, my ADD would kick in in about 10 minutes, and that would be it. it was 
<laughs> no solar panels, no, no nothing. You can't get on that phone. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, my wife says I couldn't do it. She's just, she doesn't think she and she doesn't want to be around if it ever happened. So that's right. In yeah. fact, Jennifer, she should go. She should go up with us. This is definitely. Oh, she would love that. She would love that. She would absolutely love that. She can get away from her phone, no problem. So there we go. Yeah. See, we'll do that just to irritate you. Yeah, oh, she go. would absolutely love doing that. I guarantee you. I'm not sure about sleeping in the tent, but uh, otherwise, I think she would love it. <laughs> Well, this is going to be great. It's horsemanshipradio.com, and uh, there's going to be a lot more of this to come with Debbie. We are so excited, as I said, to have the show on the Horse Radio Network. A couple things. If you want to listen to the show, the one of the best ways to do it is through iTunes. Just go to iTunes and search for Horsemanship Radio. Hit subscribe. It's free. It's easy. It, it'll download automatically to your iPod or your MP3 player, your iPhone or your other phones, whatever whatever you use, and then you'll have it there. You can also use any of the podcasting apps that are out there, and you'll be able to find it on there as well. Horseradionetwork.com is where you can find all the shows in the Horse Radio Network, and Horsemanship Radio will be on there as well. So you can access it from your computer at home, from your laptop anywhere, or from your any kind of smartphone or or iPod or anything like that as well. So there's multiple ways you can listen, and, and we hope that you do going forward. As we said, the show will start out, what, twice a month? Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, we haven't set the for date of the next episode yet, so this is kind of an introductory episode, a pilot episode for you to get to know Debbie a little bit and what the show's going to be. Uh, but we will, we will be announcing that shortly. And you can keep an eye on your Facebook page for that, right? That's right, yep. We'll have the Facebook page under Monty Roberts, and he also has a Twitter, which is Monty underscore Roberts as well. And uh, we'll be doing all the announcements in that because that has um, a large following, and I think we'll... Um, find a lot of our friends there already and uh, that's where we make most of our announcements so we'd like people to follow us there and like those and and give us uh, signs of encouragement lots of sharing if you can because that's way we're, we're more word of mouth um, as a as a cause than anything else so um, you know we, we appreciate any sponsors that may be uh, interested in this as well but it's really it's those followers that were uh, hoping to tell their friends about uh, Horse Radio Network and Horsemanship Radio. It'd be interesting, too, as we go down the line. It's always fun to talk to listeners who have, have gone through the Monty's classes or the university, and, and uh, it would be really interesting to have some of them on to talk about what they're doing currently and what they've learned along the way. Um, I'm excited, too, because this one's going to get more, this show will get a lot more in-depth with training and with natural horsemanship than any of our shows have had the ability to do up to this point. So I'm very excited that we're going to get a little deeper. Great, great. Well, uh, enough about me. I, I can't wait to get some people on here that really know what they're talking about, too, and uh, and get Dad bantering back and forth with them to uh, to give us a, a bit of a peek into where this whole progressive natural horsemanship movement is going. And it's, it's exciting. I'm watching new memberships pop up in associations and disciplines right now as we speak. Actually got one new one today. So um, I'm excited just to, to just hang on, saddle up and hang on. And it's MontyRoberts.com, right? That's right. MontyRoberts.com is where you can find links to all of what Monty Roberts does. And uh, I will not be on every week. I was just here this week to say hello. So for those of you that are sick of me already, don't worry. I'm just here to welcome Debbie to the network and 
Thank you so much, Debbie. We look forward to the first episode, which will be announced shortly. Well, thank you, Glenn.